Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Do you ever wonder how the Christian life can be more practical to you? Or how you can experience the rich Christ that you often hear spoken of? Well, if so, stay tuned for today's Life Study program from the book of Philippians and a message entitled, Living Christ by Receiving the Word Through the Spirit. Some practical help for all of us in the message just ahead. Ron Kangas is with us. And Ron, good to have you back. Always good to be with you, Chris. We've been reviewing some key passages, particularly looking at two verses in Philippians 1 for a number of programs now. Let me read these very quickly. For I know that this will turn out to salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's 1 verse 19. And then continuing with verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I will be put to shame, but with all boldness as always, even now Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. Today we'd like to see a comparison between these verses and some verses in chapter 2, verses 12 and 16. Verse 12 says, So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much rather in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And verse 16, holding forth the word of life, so that I may have a boast in the day of Christ, that I did not run in vain, nor labor in vain. Let's join Witness Lee, Ron, and then you and I will have a chance to have some fellowship about this portion. First of all, I would give you a comparison between two portions in the uh, Philippines, verses 19 through 21. The second portion is in chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and uh, 16. In this portion, you also have salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for... It is God. Instead of the Spirit here, you have God. Then, in verse 16, it says, Holding forth the word of life. To magnify, actually, is to hold forth. To hold forth is to present, to apply, to show something to people. This is to magnify. This comparison reveals to us a lot. And salvation here is something turns out to be my salvation. But whether this will turn out to your salvation or not, it depends upon how you enjoy the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
if you don't enjoy the bountiful supply of Jesus Christ, everything will turn out to you shame. This is in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, Paul again talks about salvation. Now he talks about salvation. Not salvation concerning himself, but salvation concerning you. Salvation is something that you have to work out. I tell you, this operating God is, listen, the supplying spirit. Work out your salvation. This shall turn out to my salvation through the bountiful supply of the spirit. Work out your salvation for it is God operating you. So the operating God is the supplying spirit. God, he operates in you. To what? Just apply all the rich, bountiful supply to you. Well, Ron, in chapter 2, we have the operating God who is working in us to apply the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that we saw in chapter 1. Uh, say something, if you would, about the comparison of these portions in Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 2 that really can help make the experience of Christ much more practical to us. I'd like to try to make this comparison perhaps along two lines. The first concerns this marvelous word, salvation. Paul says in chapter 1, this will turn out to my salvation. In chapter 2, he encourages the saints, work out your own salvation. If we do not grasp the significance of salvation in these two chapters, we won't be able to appreciate the other crucial points related Of course, the New Testament reveals the eternal aspect of salvation. We're saved from perdition. We're saved from the judgment of God. We have been born of God. We believe into the Son of God to have eternal life. So our eternal destiny to be part of the new Jerusalem, the wife of the redeeming God, in the new heaven and the new earth. That is unshakable. This salvation is eternal. It's secure. It cannot be lost. It's sad, at least I feel it's sad, that many readers of the Bible gloss over other references to salvation, assuming, or so it seems, that we're clear about this, we're saved Our sins are forgiven. We have eternal life. But the word salvation, especially in the epistles of Paul and also in Peter, who speaks of growing up into salvation. In these epistles, salvation has a specific meaning. In Philippians 1, this will turn out to my salvation. Well, what is this, this? It's Paul's circumstances, his environment, his captivity. And as one who was in such a situation, he either may be put to shame by being in himself in the flesh, or he may magnify Christ in his situation. 
expressing him, living him, glorifying him. So Paul realized that if he would receive and apply the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, his environment would issue in salvation. That is salvation from being put to shame and salvation to magnifying Christ. Now, Paul, who was assured of his salvation experientially and practically through the bountiful supply of the Spirit in chapter 1, now turns his attention to care for the dear saints in Philippi. He already had appealed to them to have the same mind, the same love. He encouraged them to let the mind, the thinking that was in Christ, be in them. Then with this as the background, he addresses murmurings and reasonings, murmurings from the emotion, reasonings from the mind, both indicating the self, not experiencing Christ in a particular environment. So Paul indicates you need to work out your salvation, not eternal salvation. That's a gift of grace received in faith working out a practical experiential salvation so that you are saved from being in yourself, from being in the flesh, from murmuring, complaining, whining, from self-pity, saved from reasonings. And instead, by allowing God to operate in us, the willing and the working, we work out our own salvation. And this is very much related to the Word the word of life, the word of God. So we have the spirit, we have salvation, we have the word, we have God, we have magnifying Christ, and we have being saved from the things in us that hinder us from expressing the Lord and glorifying him in the midst of our circumstances. So these are some of the crucial matters that are presented in a marvelous parallel. Paul is experiencing salvation through the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He longs for the saints in Philippi to work out their salvation by God, the triune God, operating in them. Well, Ron, we want to go now to another practical word. Witness Lee is going to use some verses from Ephesians chapter 6. In this section, we'll hear a term that may be new to a number of our listeners. The term is pray reading. This relates very much to the title of this message, and I'd like to remind our listeners again, that title is Living Christ by Receiving the Word Through the Spirit. Here's a very practical way how we can receive Christ through the living Word through the Spirit. Here's Witness Lee. We have the Spirit within, and we have the Bible, the Word without. Listen, Ephesians 6 tells us, Receive the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. By what way? By means of all prayer and petition. You see? This one charge in one sentence covers these two aspects. 
receive the word of God by means of all prayer, praying at every time in spirit. This is why we pick up pre-reading. Receive the word of God by means of all prayer. Shouting prayer, silent prayer, long prayer, short prayer, quick prayer, slow prayer, private prayer, public prayer, all prayer. By means of all prayer and petition. This is pre-reading. So whenever we come to the word of God, don't just read, exercise your eyes, then your mentality to understand it. This way makes the word dead letters. This way makes the word, the living word, dead knowledge. When you read and you pre-read, the word becomes the living bright of God. Then it is the spirit. When you read and pre-read, you get watering. You get refreshing. You get nourishing. You get a lot of things. You get enlightening. So the word is no more merely the black and white. It's no more merely the letters, the dead knowledge. It becomes the nourishing spirit. So Paul says, receive the word of God by means of all prayer. This means you have to read the word by prayer. In the past centuries, some say this, you must have prayer going along with your Bible reading. And some say, if merely the reading of the Bible that doesn't offer you much supply. It's true. And I did read one book, probably Andrew Murray. The sentence says, read the Bible prayerfully. What is to read the Bible prayerfully? That is to be read. When you pray the word, you exercise your spirit. And the spirit of God is right in your spirit. When you pray the word, you just apply the word to you. And you combine the word and the spirit together. Right away, the supply is there. Whatever the word says, that is a part of the contents of the bountiful supply of the spirit. Ron, in a recent program, we had a marvelous word on a very short exhortation by the Apostle Paul, pray unceasingly. And we saw that that could only take place by this kind of breathing prayer, breathing the Lord's name in moment by moment. Now here we have another kind of prayer. There's not just one kind of prayer we're seeing. This connection between prayer and the word that comes up in Ephesians 6 is a tremendous practical help to all of God's people to really experience Christ in a living way, isn't it? Uh, It is, and this is a most valuable, I would say exceedingly precious, rediscovery of a word in the Scriptures from Ephesians 6, 
and a practice carried out by many seeking saints in various ways throughout the centuries. That is, to come to the Word with our whole being, our heart loving the Lord, our mind properly exercised to understand, and especially with an exercised spirit, we come to the Word with a certain realization of what the Word is in its element. In John 6.63, the Lord says His words are spirit and life. If you read a newspaper, you have words there that convey thought, but no spirit and no life. The words printed in our Bibles also convey thought, but that's not all. There is something more than the word in letter. There is an essence. According to John 6.63, it's spirit and life. According to Paul's word in 2 Timothy 3, it's the breath of God. Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed. That then must indicate that God's breath is an element, if not the essence, of the word. So as we are pray-reading, we are reading. We're not mindless. We're exercising our mind, which should be in the process of being renewed, to understand. But we want to contact the Lord, the living word, as we are reading and praying over the written word. So we pray with the word. We pray concerning the word. We pray over the word. By praying, we apply the word. And as we are doing this, we are really touching the Lord who is life. We are inhaling the breath of God embodied in the word of God. We are receiving the supply of spirit and life because we are not merely praying and we're not merely reading. We're not merely reading and not merely praying. We are doing both. This is a tremendous difference in the way we may come to the written word of God. It's not simply another book that you read in the same way as you study a history book, a chemistry text, an encyclopedia article. But we want to touch the spirit, the life, the breath in the Word. Well, in our final portion today, Witness Lee continues with an example of how important the Word is to receive the Spirit. Because without it, how could we know about the bountiful supply of the Spirit we're receiving? Let's join him for our conclusion today. In summary, the Bible tells us these few main items. Number one, Christ is God. It tells us Christ is divine. Christ is the embodiment of God. The Bible tells us so. Number one. Number two, the Bible tells us that this very embodiment of God, Christ, one day became a man. Became a man. And he lived the highest human life. Not only so, through his crucifixion and resurrection, he has uplifted his wonderful, perfect humanity. 
And now he possesses the divinity and the humanity. Not only so. Plus this, he uh lived on this earth. He had wonderful, excellent, perfect human living. Then he went to the cross. He died there for our sins. He accomplished a full, perfect, and complete redemption for us. Then he was resurrected. He was put into resurrection. And then he ascended. And then he was glorified there. He was crowned there. He was enthroned there. And he received the headship, the lordship. I tell you, the Bible mainly teaches us all these main items. Then this one, in his resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. The last item became life-giving spirit. And this life-giving spirit indwells our spirit. This is the main teaching of the whole Bible. And this spirit indwells our spirit. Within this living spirit is, number one, the divinity of Christ. That's God himself. And number two, the uplifted, resurrected humanity. The top, the best humanity. And number three, the perfect living. Excellent living. Expressing God on this earth. Number four, the all-inclusive death of Christ. Number five, the resurrection. That imparts the divine life and the divine nature and the human uplifted nature of Christ into us. All these are comprised in the Spirit. But without the Bible, how could we know this? What a word, Ron, we conclude with today. This primary truth of the Bible, as he said. We're really seeing a connection between the process that Christ went through. I mean, the process of his living and death and resurrection. It's been outlined in the Bible, and we've been touching it in these recent messages. But it's now connected in a practical way uh, to the Word of God and how we can receive the Word through the Spirit to make this Christ experiential to us. Maybe you can say a word about this, and particularly the practical aspect, the practical application. I think our listeners are all looking for that kind of help to enrich their own experience of Christ. The practical application and the genuine spiritual experience are both based upon the truth in the Word clearly and faithfully presented. So Beverly has given us this marvelous summary regarding Christ being divine, being incarnated to be a man, living the perfect life, expressing God, dying an all-inclusive death, resurrecting. What we need to see for the application of this is the intrinsic relationship in our experience between the Word and the Spirit of Jesus 
Christ. Paul uses this expression, the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. This is the all-inclusive Spirit, the Spirit of God, processed and consummated through Christ's incarnation, human living, crucifixion, and resurrection, to now be a Spirit that includes Jesus, His humanity, His God-man living, his death with its effectiveness, his resurrection with its power. This is the Spirit. This is the Spirit we touch when we pray with the Word, realizing the Word is Spirit and life and breath. So on the one hand, we come to the Word and we touch this Spirit, the Spirit that we're just describing, and we receive the supply, the dispensing of this Spirit. On the other hand, as we allow this Spirit to flow in us, to fill us, as we exercise to be one Spirit with Him, then we come to the Word through such a Spirit, then the Word is full of life, full of Spirit, full of supply. And the practical way to have the Spirit Word the Spirit through the Word and the Word through the Spirit, is to pray, read the Word by all means of all prayer, praying at every time in Spirit. It seems we've come full circle, Ron, back to our starting point regarding how to get this bountiful supply of the Spirit to be the operating God who is working out our salvation in us moment by moment. As you said, we experience salvation, but simultaneously something is being deposited and imparted into our being through this very active operation of God, isn't it? God is operating in us. His operating in us is the application of the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Through this Spirit, the Word of God becomes the Word of life, the breath of God, with its light, with its grace, with its truth, with its reality, all of that becomes little by little, day by day, real, experiential, enjoyable, and practical in our daily life in the midst of our circumstances, so that like Paul, we may say, this will turn out to my salvation through the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which supply I experience through the operation of the triune God in my tripartite being. Praise the Lord for this bountiful supply and praise the Lord for the operating God. Because our time is short, I will take just a second to encourage you to contact us at Living Stream. And I'll give you the toll-free number here. It's one 543 I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.